probably about a week or so ago, I was coming down Telegraph Road from Ventura to Santa Paula, where I'm living currently with my in-laws still. And, uh, you know, going through East Ventura and I get to, to Wells, I'm going to say, I'm going to stay on telegra Telegraph. I like Telegraph. I, I don't mind. It's, it's a little slower. It's a country road. It's a, it's a nice, nice speed. I don't need to get on the freeway. And so I'm cruising Telegraph and I just kind of got past Wells where you could have got on the freeway. And this guy zooms up behind me and he's in a white SUV, uh, smaller SUV. I was like, is that a Subaru? Is that an SUV? And he's like, he's like in my backseat. I'm thinking, I got to know this person because no one would, would have the audacity to do this this closely. And he's right there. I'm serious. I'm looking at my rear view and it's like, he's, he's right there. I can like see this man in my backseat. And I'm starting to get frustrated because I'm feeling the pressure. Like when people are behind you, you feel like that pressure, like the stress of feeling you have to go fast. Like we all feel that in some way. Oh my gosh, I have to keep up. There's stress and there's pressure. And I'm just sort of like boiling, starting to boil over. And I'm thinking, man, if I had this hitch, if I had the hitch on my SUV, I'm going to be pumping the brakes and hook this guy up. Like I was, I was getting pretty ticked. I'm showing fighting those urges. I'm like, no, let it go. Just relax. And he's right there, just right in my, in my backseat driving, trying to go 75 in a, in a 50. And I start to, to get to the place where I'm going to turn off. Like, all right, I got to my place and he's on me the whole way. And I get to my turn, you guys, and I, I didn't turn. I kept going. I kept going at my slow speed and just to, just to frustrate this guy a little longer because at some point the pastor in me ends and I'm just a kid from New Jersey trying not to get arrested. And I'm sorry, guy in white SUV, I didn't mean to push it a little bit, but you shouldn't have been riding me like that. But there was this pressure building up and it, and it builds frustration. And then we act out of frustration. We know this if, you've, if you're married, you've been in long-term relationships or with family members, you know, marriage in so many ways is, is an exercise in, in managing ex, external or outside pressure so it doesn't turn into internal frustration, it doesn't blow up on your wife, right? You, you know this, like something's happening out here and it's just putting this pressure on you, then it expresses itself somewhere else. And it's hard when we're not in control, we feel pressure, we don't know what's going on, we can't seem to get out of it. And, it's, and then sort of like ugly things start to happen. So in this story today, this is in Mark 9. And I've just been using a Jesus stories right now. Um, it's going to be sharing these with you over the next couple weeks. And it's in Mark 9 and it picks up in verse 14. And it goes like this. And there's a little bit of context we'll, we'll fill in as we go. But when they return to the other disciples, so this is Jesus, they returning to the other disciples and a few of his disciples, some of his choice disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe and they ran out to greet him. So Jesus shows up uh, with a few of his disciples and where they were was on the Mount of Transfiguration. So this was a very special moment. Jesus kind of showed a little bit of his glory, uh, a little more so than he had before. So this is definitely his mountaintop moment. Uh, it's exciting. It's spiritual. It's, it's, it's very deep. And there's sort of this epiphany for the disciples that he was with. And they come down the mountain. Uh, to the other disciples, who other Jesus followers who weren't allowed to go up on the mountain, and they see this large crowd, and, and there's this, this argument happening. Like they're just people are, are are fighting. There's religious law. There's a crowd. There's disciples. And Jesus is like, well, what are you guys arguing about? What are you guys arguing about? Like it just came down the mountain. There's this big problem happening. Like this came down from this the transfiguration, this this very supernatural moment, and they come down to this crowd and an argument. It's like, what are you arguing about? What are you arguing about? Because it's frustrating to walk in the problems. It is frustrating to walk in the problems. You've just come down from an amazing experience, right? Uh, maybe this is a conference you've been to or, or a worship event or maybe, or maybe it's vacation. You just come back into something that's a problem. Maybe you're on a retreat and you're getting well and you just come from counseling and you're feeling really healthy. But then you walk into a problem and it's frustrating because all of a sudden like, ah, oh, well, there goes my high. There goes that. 
Now I have to deal with this. There's people arguing about stuff. And so one of the men in the crowd comes up to Jesus. So, hey, what are you arguing about? One of the men comes up from the crowd and spoke and said, Teacher, I brought my son so that you can heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. But they couldn't do it. So he's basically complaining to Jesus. It's like one of those situations where they found the disciples, hey, could you, could you do something for my son? And like, they can't help. So like, oh, I want to talk to the manager. I got I to gotta talk to the manager. These guys couldn't help me. Let me talk to someone higher up. My son is sick. He needs help. And you're not helping. And that's frustrating. That is frustrating when you need help and you perceive someone can help you. And then they don't or they can't. And the disciples are frustrated here. They're, they're frustrated because there's this pressure of this crowd. The religious leaders there, they have lack of control. People are yelling. Uh, it's, the, the kid's not getting healed. It's not working. Like, where's Jesus? Where is Jesus? Why didn't we get to go up to the mountain? It's not working leaving us here dealing with the crowd. He left us and now everything's getting messed up. And now, now, now we're abandoned. Now we're left to fill, figure out this problem. We can't. My kids feel like that when I leave them at checkout. Like we're in the line and, and getting ready for checkout. And there's, you know, it's getting close to your turn. I'm like, oh, I forgot one more thing. And I run down into the aisles. They hate that. It's like now they're stuck. Like, oh my gosh, now they have to pay. And are they going to get asked questions? And what if I'm not back in time? Do they have to wait? Like, oh no, wait, he's coming. Like it's frustrating when we feel left. When we feel left behind. Right? And, and, and maybe, maybe you feel left behind right now. You just feel like, well, I don't know what happened, but I don't see God. I don't see Jesus. I don't see friends. I don't, I don't see community. My family's not even interested in me. Maybe you just feel left behind. And you're like, where are you? Where, where are you is one of the most frustrating questions. Where are you? Where are you, God? Where are you, people? Where, where are, are those who I need right now? And it's frustrating that people don't show up on your timing, right? Maybe you're trying to get to an appointment uh, or it's a meeting you have to go. And where are you? We have to go. Where are you? Where are you, Jesus? Maybe it's these prayers that you've been thinking about. Like, where's that relationship? Where's the relationship? Where's the job? Where's the other relationship? It's hard. Where are you, Jesus? Because we're feeling this pressure down here and things aren't going well. Where are you? And so the disciples, they may not have handled this perfectly, based on all the arguing going on. Uh, but sometimes when you can't help somebody, it's okay. When you can't help, it's okay. The, the man came with his son and he's distraught. The man's frustrated. And the disciples, they tried to help, but they didn't. They couldn't. They just weren't there. And it's okay. Sometimes it's okay to be done when there's these problems mounting around you, maybe other people's problems, just to be done. Say, I, I can't help you. Like, I, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. You're like, I, I'm out here. Like, I need Jesus. You need Jesus. That, that's all I got. I can't fix this. You know, it's frustrating when, when, you're, when you're trying to fix something. You're like, where's Jesus? Shouldn't he be helping? Like, sometimes, you, sometimes you, you're just left there. Like, I don't know. I don't know where he is. I don't know what's happening. I don't know why you're not getting well. I don't know why things aren't getting fixed. I don't know why things aren't getting better. Where's Jesus? I don't know. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. It's hard. That's the situation these disciples were in. And it's okay sometimes to go there just to say, all right, uh, I can't help you anymore. It's, I, I can't. I can't. And I hope you feel the freedom in that. Some of you are helpers. Like, you don't have to fix everything. 
you don't have to fix everything. And if people are arguing and fighting, like, just, just do the best you can. Just do the best you can. We don't have to fix everything. We don't have to, have to answer to everyone. You don't have to explain yourself when things don't work out. There's a point of, I, I tried and now we just need Jesus. Now we just need Jesus. So Jesus, he, he, he responds to this, um, this father and his son. And he kind of yells out to the whole crowd, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So Jesus is frustrated here. He's frustrated with the fighting. He's frustrated with the lack of faith. He's frustrated that I just had this moment with my other disciples and I have to come down and deal with this. And there's the crowds and the teachers of the law and it's just the best. And so, the, so they bring the boy. And uh, when the evil spirit saw Jesus in this boy, it threw the child into violent convulsion. And he fell, fell on the ground and he's just writhing and foaming at the mouth. You can picture this scene. There's these people around. Jesus is there and the disciples are confused. And, uh, and, and the, the teachers of the law are probably angry. And he's just like, well, how long has this been happening? How long has this been happening? The boy's having this fit, this kind of seizure on the ground. How long has this been happening? And the father said, well, since he was a little boy. So we know there's, there's some time. There's a body of time that's gone by where this boy is plagued by this. Since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire, into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us, Jesus. Help us if you can. Help us if you can. So his father... We have to believe he's been holding on to hope for a long time. He's been holding on to hope for a long time. Since he was a little boy, he's had these episodes that have been trying to kill him. And I appreciate the father here because he never gave up on his son. He never gave up on his son. And our father will never give up, give up on you. Like there will be a time of healing. We all wish it came sooner. We all wish it came faster. But there will be a time of healing. There will be a time of healing in your life. So the father brings his son, I, I, he's like, I, I still believe, I think, I think you could still do something. I still have hope for my son to be restored. And Jesus hears this, if I can. This is great from Jesus. What do you mean, if I can? What do you mean, if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. And this is emphatic from Jesus and, and, and sarcastic. And part of his frustration. If I can? Do you even know who I am? If I can? And the father instantly cried out one of the most beautiful and honest lines in all of scripture. I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Sarah talked about this a number of weeks ago. I do believe, but help me under, overcome my unbelief. It's an honest place to be. This is like me every week. Like I believe, Lord, but help me under, overcome my unbelief in certain areas. Right, this is his prayer. I, I hope you would, you would respond maybe to uh, the, the Bible text or, or preaching or an encouragement where I believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I believe God loves me, but I, I, I still need help with that. I believe God has a plan for life, but help me overcome my unbelief in that. I, I believe there's more to life than just flesh and blood, but, but help me overcome my unbelief that I have. And so Jesus, when he saw the crowd of onlookers was growing, uh, and his boys on the ground, he rebukes the spirit. And he says, listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. And the, and the boy appeared to be dead. And a murmur runs through the crowd as the people said, he's dead. He's dead. This murmur runs through the crowd. He's dead. Jesus didn't work. God isn't helping. And sometimes we're around those murmurs, and sometimes those murmurs go through our own head. 
Ah, he's dead. Jesus didn't do it this time. God, uh, God isn't here now. In fact, it's actually made things worse. My faith has now made things worse. I, I believe, but now it's, now it's worse. And what happens is while we're waiting, God is working. While we're waiting, God is working. And so Jesus, uh, he takes his boy by the hand. And, and, and he's, he hasn't given up faith. He hasn't lost hope. Jesus is absolutely in control. right? But, but the crowd is losing control. Uh, the crowd is frustrated. The father is probably frustrated. Um, it's not working. It didn't help. The disciples are wondering what's going on. And, and, and it's difficult when your faith sort of maybe falls apart in front of a crowd publicly. Like, oh, that didn't work. I was believing for God to do that, but that, that didn't work. I thought God was going to deliver me from this situation, but that didn't work. I thought this was God's timing, but oh, now maybe it doesn't seem like it is. People are looking. That's frustrating. But Jesus takes the boy by the hand, and he helps him to his feet, and he stood up. Jesus took him by the hand, helped him to his feet, and he stood up. It's verse 27. Because Jesus wasn't done. Jesus wasn't done. And we talked about this last week, but we can't say it enough. Jesus isn't done, even when something appears dead. He brings life to the lifeless. He brings restoration. He brings hope and healing to your soul, to your spirits, to your dreams. Things that appear dead, they are not dead. They are not dead. And we have life because Jesus is alive. And so wherever you're feeling dead right now, maybe it's someone close to you. Maybe it's someone else. Maybe it's yourself, your own emotions. Maybe it's your, 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 just your health, your mental health. Maybe it's your spiritual vi- vitality. Maybe it's a hope, it's a dream, it's goals that just feel dead. They are not dead. Jesus will bring, breathe life because he is alive. So I want to encourage you with that. The boy appeared to be dead. It appeared to get worse. Jesus wasn't done. He wasn't done then. He's not done now. He's not done with you. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your persistence and uh, patience with us, God. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, bring the dead to life. Bring the dead to life. Lord, maybe that is someone's spirit and, and their soul and their emotional health, their mental health just feels dead. Bring it to life, Lord. Bring those hopes and dreams and callings to life. Bring our purposes to life, God. This very moment, this very day, Lord, breathe life into us. Breathe life into the lifeless and dead parts of our life, Lord. Restore us. We thank you, God, in your name. Amen. All right, you guys, thanks for hanging out. Don't forget your kids. We'll see you soon. Peace.